Hello and welcome to the Stand or Fall podcast. Um, I'm not sure which episode this will be. Um, I recorded one earlier today at the gym about some some more stuff in Jacob, um, but I doubt I'll get that up before this. So this will be episode four, I believe. Um, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll label it as much, but I just want to... Uh, record this and read this through. Um, I am giving a talk in church tomorrow. Um, it's kind of the Nelson show. We have Riley giving the opening prayer. Hiram's giving the youth talk. Lisa gives an adult <clears throat> adult talk, and then I have an adult talk. So it's like, yeah, the Nelson family circus tomorrow at church, but. Anyway, so the, the talk I'm going to give, and I'm doing this to kind of time myself, and I figured I might as well, so I kind of have an idea of where I'm at. I really don't know how much time I'll need. I think I have, I might have like eight to ten minutes, but it just depends how it goes. So I will start. Um, good morning. Um, I'm excited to speak with my family today. I've been asked to speak on covenants and ordinances. In the Bible, we in the Bible, the word ordinance is translated from the Hebrew word chuka and is used 104 times. Then we find from the Greek word dikaioma, and that's used 10 times. A study of these words will lead to a definition that means an enactment of a righteous deed. For our purpose today, an ordinance can be described as an enactment of a ritual. In ancient times, the law of Moses consisted of 613 different commandments in which were different rituals or ordinances that included things like ritual washings and animal sacrifices. We learn in Jacob 4 verse 5 that for this intent, we keep the law of Moses, it pointing our souls to him. And for this cause, it sanctified us unto righteousness. Unquote. We learn that the whole intent of these commandments to the people was to point them to believe in and have faith in Jesus. The act of performing these different rituals or ordinances did not save them. Um, that old covenant was fulfilled with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The new and everlasting covenant was established and has been the standard to which all who come unto Christ are to enter, including our dead. And if we have time, I will talk about this subject, the ordinance of baptism for the dead at the end. In the church, we believe that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, repentance. Third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. Fourth, laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. We also teach about other ordinances available to point us to Jesus. Uh, Let's talk about covenants. Uh, In the Bible, the word covenant is translated from the Hebrew word bereath, and that is used 285 times, and then from the Greek diatheke, and that's used 33 times in the Bible. A study of these two words will lead to a definition that a covenant is a set agreement having completed terms determined by the initiating party, which also are affirmed by the one entering the agreement. 
Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints speak of themselves as a covenant people. We see the covenants we make in our modern day as the same as those made during biblical times. A covenant is an agreement between God and a person or a group of people. The Lord speaks of his covenant people in the scriptures and tells them, tells us as much in Deuteronomy 32 when he tells us that his portion is his people, Jacob, or what we know as the house of Israel, is the lot of his inheritance. We are considered part of his covenant people as we enter into a special covenant with him and witness that through an ordinance. Note, just like as the law of Moses was to point the ancient Hebrews to Christ, um, it is not the physical manifestation enacted through the ordinance that saves us, but it is the belief that we have in Jesus Christ and the faith we are exercising through following the commandments set forth in the covenant. So, to combine those covenants and ordinances together, um, I was joking with Hiram, I could just uh, take the microphone right now and do a mic drop and just say, stay in the covenant path. Because we have heard that phrase used um, 100, or not 100, we've, we've heard it used 84 times in general conference since 2018. So that was going to be my easy way of copying out of giving the rest of the talk, but uh, we will proceed. Um, so I want to talk about, um, well, here, let me read this. So with all joking aside, we often focus so much upon what is at the end of the covenant path that I feel like we glass over the most important ordinance in the related covenant that lets us enter in by the gate or the ordinance which Joseph Smith described as, quote, glory and honor and immortality and eternal life, the ordinance of baptism, unquote. When Jesus Christ visited the Nephites in 3rd Nephi, we have the words he taught in chapter 11 and what he calls his doctrine. He says, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, I will declare unto you my doctrine. And this is my doctrine, and it is the doctrine which the Father hath given me. Um. I bear record that the Father commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe in me. And whoso believeth in me and is baptized shall be, the same shall be saved, and they are they who shall inherit the kingdom of God. And whoso believeth not in me is not baptized shall be damned. Verily, verily, I say unto you that this is my doctrine. And unto... And I bear record of it of the, from the Father, and whoso believeth in me, in the Father, whoso believeth in me, believeth in the Father also, and also, and unto him ugh, will the Father bear record of me, for he will visit him with fire and the Holy Ghost. We have Jesus teaching the simplicity of his doctrine, and it is mirrored in what we believe in, we believe in the article of faith referenced earlier. Now let's learn about what the first man. Adam experienced at baptism. In Moses 6, we read the story of Adam being taught the plan of salvation. It says, If thou wilt turn to me and hearken unto my voice and believe and repent of all thy transgressions and be baptized, even in water, in the name of mine only begotten Son, ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. 
further on, we read, We must be born again into the kingdom of heaven, of water and of the spirit, and be cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, that ye might be sanctified from all sin and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory. For by water ye keep the commandment, by the spirit ye are justified, and by the blood ye are sanctified. We then read the experience of Adam making a covenant with the Lord, then go through the ordinance of being baptized by water, fire, and the Holy Ghost. When the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, Adam cried unto the Lord. Right here, I believe he's making a covenant. It says, He was caught away by the Spirit of the Lord and was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized, and the Spirit of God descended upon him. And thus he was born of the Spirit and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth forevermore, or from henceforth and forever. And thou art after, thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days or end of years, from all eternity to all eternity. That's Melchizedek priesthood language right there. Coming from God out of heaven. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. So here the Lord tells Adam that he is now a son of God. And the pattern for all those who would be called sons of God was just established. We can link this language to what we learn in Doctrine and Covenants section 76 about those who will be sons of God and will, quote, dwell with dwell in the presence of God and his Christ forever and ever. This section leads with the fact that they are the A who received the testimony of Jesus and believed on his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name, and this according to the commandment which he has given. So we have learned about the importance of the, bap- the ordinance of baptism and that those who are baptized do such to fulfill the commandment to witness that they believe in Jesus Christ and have repented or turned towards him. This is an outward sign of an inner exercise of faith. So what about the covenant associated with baptism? We learn that there was a covenant that is associated with an ordinance. We even learn that Father Adam cried unto the Lord prior to being baptized. I believe he was exercising faith and making a covenant with the Lord. We believe we learn of the covenant that was set by the Lord that we are to agree with and accept prior to baptism. And it is found in 2 Nephi 31, 3 Nephi 9, and can be summed up the best in Doctrine and Covenants section 20, where we learn that all those who humble themselves before God and desire to be baptized and come forth with broken hearts and contrite spirits and witness before the church that they have truly repented of all their sins and are willing to take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, having a determination to serve him to the end and truly manifest 
their works that they have received of the Spirit of Christ under the remission of the, their sins shall be received by baptism into his church. There is the covenant associated with baptism. If we do those things and witness to God through water, our choice to be baptized by water, we can receive the baptism of fire and Holy Ghost. This allows us to enter in the gate in the new and everlasting covenant. The Lord tells us, thus may all become my sons. And the definition of thus means in this or that manner or result of. This pattern of covenanting with God, then being baptized, leads us down the path toward a divine blessing of being with God again. I just use baptism today as a quick example of one covenant and ordinance that we enter into as God's covenant people. There is so much more to this than just being a box to check as an, as an essential saving ordinance. So that puts me at about the 12 minute mark. I'm thinking I might only have eight minutes. I may have to skip through a lot of the scripture stuff here at the end, which I can pick through easily, I think. Um, but I added some stuff here at the end if I have a lot of time. Like Hiram's, Hiram's talk might only be like two minutes. He's speaking on gratitude. Lisa's speaking on the word of wisdom. Um, I don't know how long her talk is, but I think she said she only has like three pages. I have eight. I don't know. You guys know me and my excessive length of papers, which is quite ridiculous. Uh, so I want to time this next part, and we will see if I have a lot of time to fill. Here it is. So we're starting at the 14-minute mark. All right, baptism for the dead. So baptism is important. In a, later, in a letter dated September 6th, 1842 to the church, that we now have is his Doctrine and Covenants, section 128. Joseph Smith spoke on the subject of baptism for the dead and also the sealing keys. He calls the ordinance of baptism for the dead, quote, the ordinance and preparation that the Lord ordained and prepared before the foundation of the world. For the salvation of the dead who should die without a knowledge of the gospel, unquote. So then... Joseph continues and defines how the sealing keys actually work. He says, The nature of this ordinance consists in the power of the priesthood by the revelation of Jesus Christ, wherein it is granted that whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Or, in other words, taking a different view of the translation, whatsoever you record on earth shall be recorded in heaven, and whatsoever you do not record on earth shall not be recorded in heaven. For out of the books ye or shall your dead be judged according to their own works, whether they themselves have attended to the ordinances in their own propria persona or by the means of their own agents according to, and I highlight this here, the ordinance which God has prepared for their salvation from before the foundation of the world, according to the records which they have kept concerning their dead, unquote. So have, he also speaks about having a recorder write down in the books here on earth makes 
quote, a record of truth before the Lord, unquote. That is also written on the record kept in, kept in heaven called the book of life. Again, Joseph says, the records on earth, on the earth in relation to your dead, which are truly made out, so also are the records in heaven. Therefore, is the sealing and binding power, and in one sense, the word, the keys of the kingdom, which consist in the keys of knowledge. So Joseph just defined that sealing power as what you write down here on earth through an ordinance happening, whether it is, I mean, he's linking it here with baptism for the dead, but it can also go, it also talks about those who do their works, meaning going through ordinances here by, by being their own agent. If they're living, it also, as it's written and recorded and witnessed, it's written on the book of life in heaven. So that's the sealing power that's associated with the ordinances that we enter into. So I just want to keep reading some more. And he says, I will give you a quotation from one of the prophets who had his eye fixed on the restoration of the priesthood. The glory is to be re revealed in the last days and in an especial manner. And I quote this, or I highlight this always. It says, this most glorious of all subjects belonging to the everlasting gospel, namely the baptism for the dead. So Joseph just defined baptism for the dead as the most glorious of all subjects belonging to the everlasting gospel. It's kind of a big statement to make. But then he leads this into what we hear quoted quite often. It says, for Malachi says, last chapter, verses 5th and 6th, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with, the earth with a curse. I might have rendered a plainer translation to this, but it is sufficiently plain to suit my purpose as it stands. It is sufficient to know in this case that the earth will be smitten with a curse unless there is a welding link of some kind or or other in some kind of or other between the fathers and the children upon some subject uh, upon some subject or other and behold what is that subject here's the answer joseph gives here's the welding link it is the baptism for the dead for without them for we without them cannot be made perfect neither can they without us be made perfect Neither can they nor we be made perfect without those who have died in the gospel also. For it is necessary in the ushering in of the dispensation of the fullness of times. All right, so that was an extra five minutes. I'll just cut mine short. Lisa says she's going to cut her short. You're being recorded for a podcast right now? I had to time it. Might as well read it. 
and record it. All right, there's an end to that. We'll see how it goes. Peace. Say peace. Say peace. Peace. <laughs>